I'm in the third installment of Coach Ron's Change Connections Trilogy, part three. This part is important. I've already told you so far about who I am as a coach. And then last time I shared some very introspective family dimensions. Kind of gives an idea of where I come from. And yes, I'm no different than either of my parents. I'm grateful for who they were, for what they learned in their lives. And I hope I can continue to learn important lessons. And I hope that I'm able to learn important lessons until I die. And so my parents uh, taught me to never give up. You can always change. That is never too late. This installment, I would like to share with you the ministry side of me. The ministry side of me. Coach Ron, I'm the Ron that was created from who my parents were. They both have passed on now. But I'm also the ministry part. <laughs> the ministry side of me. I will share with you today. So as I begin to talk about this side, I was um, working in the government and uh, I had just gotten 10 years in and I had become assistant pastor at First Baptist Church of Highland Park. And I became, at the beginning of 1986, I became the full-time assistant pastor of the First Baptist Church of Highland Park. I was the ripe age of 27 years old, and uh, that was truly an exciting moment because I thought I'd never see the end of my good old government job. I thought I'd never see the end of it, but after 10 years, I'd just gotten one of those 10-year awards, whatever it was back then. And uh, here I was now going to be on staff uh, at First Baptist Church of Highland Park in Landover, Maryland. And I ended up being there for 10 years. <laughs> 10 years, uh, if you've been listening to me tell my story, you will realize that there are a lot of things that I've said that were about 10 years. And so my first bout of being in full-time ministry uh, lasted for 10 years before a change came. And as in any and everything, there's so much you have to learn, especially being 27 years old. I was the first full-time staff pastor the church had ever had. The only uh, pastor that was full-time was the pastor. And so it was a privileged position to be in at that young age uh, to be called to be the assistant uh, pastor full-time. And uh, I remember I had a little office. I mean, truly, the little office was a little office. But you know what? I never complained about my little office. What I tried to do was get the most done out of that little office. So people 
will tease me now because when I finally got a new office, I got a huge office, a huge office. And so my first little office, we call that the box. So I was in the box for several of those 10 years. And I'm grateful because uh, it's not um, the size or the magnitude of what you're in. I wanted to make sure wherever I was, in the box or out of the box, that I wanted to do good work. And I'm grateful that that happened over those 10 years. So in having that position, uh, when I first got there, I didn't see much uh, like a pastor. I was more like a, a glorified um, manager, administrator, procurement uh, person, in particular procurement. I um, led the process of getting a new sound system for the church, which at that point a time, it cost a lot of money because you're talking about back in 1986. And so uh, that was a huge step for the church to buy a new PA system. And so I led the whole process, got the contractor and um, watched over the entire process. And then uh, I did employee insurance. You <laughs> see, I'm saying I didn't seem like a minister at all. I did employee insurance and uh, and was able to hook the church up on that side. And the big thing that I did was I led the process of the church getting its first computer. Now, if I I could tell you, do you you know? that it was a job to get the church to consider getting its first computer. I mean, that was no easy task. There was a notebook I put together giving all of the evidence needed, all the research I did. I, I wish maybe somebody in the archives could find that proposal I did for the first computer church computer system. Anyway, it was crazy, but you know what? We got it. <laughs> of course, the church had many computers after that, but that was a significant moment for the church. And so I had three pretty big projects and uh, those worked out well. Yes, I was still preaching during the time and all of that, but um, I was kind of excited uh, being involved uh, in procurement uh, in managing over those processes. Uh, but you know what? As a new hotshot uh, assistant pastor full-time, I hit some snags. Because you know, eventually, if you're doing anything, I don't care how successful you are, you're going to hit some snags. And so one of the things I orchestrated over, and this shows you how long ago it was, I orchestrated over them getting a payphone in the church. Now, you, you, first of all, somebody said, what in the world is a payphone? Well, whatever it is, if we were getting a payphone in the church because otherwise people would go into the offices and all and use the phone. And so we wanted to find a way where people could make calls and didn't have to do it from our office phones. And so we... We uh, got with a contractor, one that was used by someone I knew, 
and the day after we put the money up and the thing is it was crazy we put all the money up because we trusted the entity well it didn't work out the situation didn't go through <laughs> that was the first opportunity for me to have pie on my face and you know there's a saying that says when it rains it pours and so that happened and then um I was, uh, the pastor was on vacation. And so I was doing a memo about an ordination service that we're going to have for one of our ministers. And so I sent out the communication to churches in the area. Well, to say the least, the letter was not up to par. It, it, it left a lot to be desired. And I probably should have had somebody proof it, and I didn't. And you know, there's a learning curve to everything in life. And truly, there was a learning curve to that. So that was another situation. In fact, when the pastor got back, he had to do the letter all over again and write kind of like an apology to the people. So crash number two. <laughs> And then there was crash number three. And so uh, the pastor went out of town and he left me in charge. Now, uh, I was probably about a year in. And as I said, I'd had a lot of success. So I went to the meeting and I let the board know this was both the deacon board and the trustee board. And I let them know that I didn't want them to, to think of me not as the person in charge. It's crazy. When I, when I think about it now, it's just crazy. So I let them know that while the pastor was gone that I was in charge. Well, let's just say this. When the pastor got back and when he and the board finished meeting, let me just say this. I was not in charge. <laughs> in fact, there was a long time before I got in charge again. And, you know, so I was like on a high horse by all of these great things that I was doing for the church. And then I hit uh, an undercurrent. Uh, it's, it's almost like, uh, being out in the, in the ocean and, um, you don't realize that you drifted pretty far from the shore. And all of a sudden you realize there's no bottom. I've had that happen, uh, in the Atlantic ocean, the ocean city. And I didn't know, and I'm just so grateful that somehow I went under and swam as hard as I could. And believe me, at that point in time, in fact, that meeting that I was in, I got so upset, you know, when they told me what the new situation would be and that I wouldn't, you know, be able to do this, that, and the other. Again, 27 years old, guys. Give me a break. I was 27 years old. Let me just tell you this. I walked out of the meeting. I mean, I just, you know, let me just say this between the deacon and the trustee board, it had to be at least 40 people in there. 
big shot, big time assistant pastor Ronald Cross. I walk out of the meeting in a huff. <laughs> Ooh, like, can, can I just tell you this? It's so funny, but it wasn't funny then at all. It was not funny because when I walked out of the meeting, I was devastated. And I got home and in tears, I told my wife what had happened. What had happened, babies? I can't do nothing no more. And my wife listened to my hard luck story and she said to me, what is it that you can do? I want you guys to hear me because if there was ever a moment of time where God was in the room, she said, you're focused now on what you lost and what you can't do. She said, what can you do? And I, I said, well, they said that I can work with Christian education. And I, I said it in a way where, what the hell do I want to work with Christian education for? I mean, I'm just telling you, let, let me just tell you something about my new identity as, as a podcaster. Can I just tell y'all this? I'm not faking nothing no more. I'm telling you how I really feel about the world and the whole thing. I'm not trying to be nobody. I'm just Coach Ron. So you're going to hear it from me like I want to say it. So she said, well, then do that and do that to the best of your ability. Now, I said to you that when I was uh, managing over all of the procurement processes and making big expenditures and purchases for needed things in the church, it didn't seem so pastoral, but all of a sudden I was now head of Christian education and I focused all I had on being the best that I could be. I raised up a program in Christian education where I started to bring big seminars. Back then churches, especially black churches had revivals. And our church had revivals, but we we were able now to bring some big teaching events in. For three days, for five days, we'd have some of the best speakers around the country who came in to talk to us on different areas. It was so important then because uh, we as a, a people, we were used to having people preach us up and down the aisle. And that was exciting and that was good. And that had its purpose. But we were now moving on a time where the teaching seminars were becoming huge. And we were learning things, hearing things, beginning to practice things. Like I, I remember I went to a seminar to, to it's called Singles and Second Honeymoon Seminar, Willie Richardson. And the thing is, is that for the first time, I learned how to be married. You know, when you decide to get married, you tell people in the church, hey, you're going to marry this person and all. Nobody pulls you aside to say, hey, these are some things you need to check out, watch for, that you're going to go through. This is how you, I didn't have anyone to do, my wife and I didn't have that kind of, of discipleship, people to pull us aside. And, and so 
that seminar, that teaching seminar, they taught about everything. They they talked about how to work through issues and problems, how how to romance one another, how, how the other things that you do besides romancing each other that impact the marriage. Just all at things I had never listen after all those years of being in church, I had never heard about those things. So I was able to bring bring some big events to the church that set new standards. Another thing, discipleship. We were able to bring in uh, what we call the NAV 2-7 discipleship. And these were were 12-week sessions that we had. And and there was like a couple of two or three levels of it. And we had a good amount of people in the church who were a part of that. And uh, that kind of took over, took in what later became cell groups. Well, before we had the cell groups, we had these uh, discipleship groups and we had them in people's homes, in the church. Uh, Man, the database that I put together for that, you know, because we had different teachers and they were at different places and every teacher had a facilitator. And man, let me tell you, we worked that thing out and the church was excited, ecstatic about it. Oh man, that worked out well. I hit it, Christian education, and I brought something called adult education. And I taught adult education courses for the Bible college in my area at my church. And we had so many people who were a part of that. They got grades, they had their stuff graded. And uh, it was... uh, another good moment. So this is this is what I learned in that. First of all, if I hadn't listened to my wife, I can't even tell you where I would have been, but I would not have continued probably at the church. I, I would have been so embarrassed and so whatever. Let me just tell you this, by responding to what they considered to be a demotion of me and not making a big fuss, but going on and as my wife said, do what you can do and do that well. Thank you, baby. You know, thank you very much. I love you and I appreciate you. So because of that, I was able to go on. And what's significant is that when I let the church know let my pastor know that I wanted to plant a church, that I felt led to plant a church, I got his full support. That would have never happened if I would have been too immature to take a demotion and not quit. It would have been so easy to quit at age 27 and full of yourself. It would have been so easy to just act stupid and uh, and allow them to fire me. And I would have been back in the gov in my big, my good government job. I'd have been right back there again. You know, it's funny that when I planted my church, uh, my the conference I was under set up a plan for me to be supported for three years on a degrading basis each year. You may be less money each year because hopefully the church would be doing well enough and all so that we could do it that way. Well, 
starting the first Sunday of that church, I brought in enough money that I never had to be supported on the system that the conference has set up. So I was able to go from being full-time on salary at Highland Park to full-time on salary at New Vision Church, the church I planted, all because of what God can do when you're not too prideful to learn a lesson. Well, let's talk about New Vision. So around 1995 in the fall, I had one of those week-long seminars by one of my friends named Cliff Ash, and he came to do the seminar. He and his wife did it together. And they were on their way back home to Harrisburg, uh, PA, on Saturday morning. So Cliff said that the Lord led him to come to my house. So he and Audrey, his wife, showed up at my house. Saturday morning, they showed up unexpected to my house. And they said to Brenda and I, you know, you guys should consider planting a church. Now, they were in that ministry led by uh, Pastor Willie Richardson at Stronghold Church. They were on staff there like I was on staff at Island Park. And they left their church three years before the time he was talking to me. And they planted their church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. They said to us, you should consider planting a church. Now, could I tell you this? We had never considered it for one second. Brenda and I were not thinking about planting a church. We were satisfied. Somebody say it. Satisfied. One more time. Satisfied with the church we had. They left there and went on back to Harrisburg. This was probably sometime around October of 95. By June of 96, we had another conversation on the phone. So we hadn't talked. And he asked me again, what did you feel about what I talked to you about? And I told him I was thinking about it. <laughs> We've been thinking and praying over it. So he told me, he, he has a ministry where he's somewhat prophetic at times. And he told me something. And what he told me happened to the T. And, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these weird guys and I just go and I believe anything. But I, I did have a lot of trust in, in uh, Cliff Ash because of what he has shown me in the past. And so that thing happened. So by September, we talked again. So they visited us in October. We're now in June. And in September, he called me back. And he said, well, Ron, what do you think? And he said something to me. He said, if you wait for First Baptist Church of Highland Park to make a decision over you as to whether or not you'll be their next pastor, he says, if you don't get it, you're going to be hurt. And then if you go forth to plant a church, then you will be damaged goods. Oh my. Let me, let me, let me just tell you this. I, I can't even tell you that 
if it was just him saying something to me, he's 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 a person, he's human like any other rest of us. But I knew when he said that that it was the Lord. He said, if you wait, because he says, I know you're you're waiting for the opportunity you might have to be the pastor of this church. And he said, but if you wait and you don't get it, he said, you'll be damaged goods. And let me tell you this, that day, that very day, I made a decision that I was going to not hear, not hear Cliff Ash's voice, but I heard the Lord and I said, yes. Now I'm, I'm thinking, man, I'm under full-time salary. And listen, it was in my 10th year. I, I had just, it, it, the first of 96, I was vested. You know, that means I got retirement and you know, I'm just saying I'm in the sauce now. I'm been worked there 10 years. I'm I'm going to get retirement. And here it is. I'm now led to leave the church. My God. But you know what? I felt the Lord was leading me. So when I talked to my pastor about it, Pastor James J. McCord. Dr. James J. McCord, his heart was totally open to everything he heard from me. And he and First Baptist Church of Highland Park came around me and boosted me a great deal so that I could plant New Vision Church. He said, Give me three things. I said, well, I would like to talk to our people. We, this was in September. So in December, we had a big meeting. We probably had, uh, I don't know, we probably had somewhere over 100 people who came to a meeting where I could just simply share what God was doing. I said, you know, is it possible for me to... Um, have my core meetings at the church starting in January of 96. I was able to have a meeting every week at the church with those people who were interested. It ended up, you know, being somewhere around 40 people in all. And we met every week and we talked about the plan. I wrote out an entire plan and we talked about the plan. And one of the things in the plan was that this church would be different. We, we considered uh, things that maybe weren't necessarily being done in churches. And everything that we did was prayerfully to be more effective to reach those generations that were a part of the time where we planted. And God blessed us in that endeavor. Highland Park went to the place where they had a um, service for me going away, appreciation service. And they gave me a tremendous offering. I don't know, it was probably like ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000. Not only did, did they do that, but they say, we'll pay the rest of your salary. Because I left in May of 96. They said, we'll pay half your salary for the rest of the year. And I tell you, with that wind behind my sail, 
and what the people did who came with us, uh, we were able to get going as a new church. You know, uh, at some point along the way, my pastor did retire and they were looking to find a new pastor. And I had some people come to me and said, hey, why don't you apply? And I said, there is no way. Now see, notice I was waiting around to see if maybe I'd get chosen. When that offer came, I said, no. I said, God has put me where he wants me. And I said, no, I will not put in an application. And I just played at this new church. I said, I will not do it. And I didn't do it because I had my faith in the Lord and in what he had called me to do at New Vision Church. So New Vision Church has now gone on 28 years this May coming up. In 2023, it'll be 28 years. And by the grace of God, um, our church has done many tremendous things. One of the things I put in, in the church's mind is that, listen, we might be a smaller church, but we don't have to act like a smaller church. And we can be bigger than we are. And number one, our mentality, how we feel about ourselves and our potential in the Lord. And, and so we went forth and we acted that way and we did all kinds of tremendous evangelistic events. Uh, we had a tremendous uh, drama ministry and we did plays. We did original plays and um, just the talent that we had among us and the things we were able to do. We had a tremendous music department and we were able uh, music. We had some of the greatest musicians. I mean, uh, several of our musicians are traveling musicians now who you play with uh, people like Usher and the Backstreet Boys and and the um, American Idol Tour and and on and on. Just, you know, we we had all, a lot of these people were right there at our church and we were able to do great things because the Lord was with us. And just like um, we did great things, you know, we had uh, one of the first churches to have a um, more contemporary dress code. We could dress down every Sunday. I remember at my old church, we could dress down, uh, I think it was one Sunday a month. I'm trying to figure out what, remember what Sunday it was, but one Sunday a month, we could dress down. But we had a, a dress code. You could dress down at any point in time. Um, we didn't have an emphasis on titles. So we weren't concerned about who was who was what. We wanted to have an emphasis on uh, being authentic people and making a difference no matter if you have a title or not. Uh, as I said, we had contemporary music and we had a tremendous worship style. And we had stories, testimonies, stories, not, not just people getting up there and saying the same thing every time they get up there, but telling contemporary stories that helped to change people's lives. Uh, Chris, relevant stories. Um, we took a different approaches to uh, how we did everything we did because we thought through them first. And we, we tried things and everything didn't work, but we certainly 
uh, tried it. We allowed young people to develop. We developed a whole group of young people so that they assumed all kinds of, of uh, leadership areas in the church. Um, we, we built up a really nice uh, ministerial staff and all of people. And so a lot of things happened. And yet we've gone through some incredibly hard times <laughs> because adversity is going to come no matter what you do. So I said, I said, you know, uh, I started out at Highland Park and I, you know, had it good. I had that success. And then all of a sudden I hit a curve and uh, thank God that I made it around it. But we've had a third adversity. We've had traumatic events happen to members. I remember one thing that happened to one of the members. And when it happened, I remember standing out in the street that night. And I said to myself, and this is the truth, that the, the situation was so bad. And I said, it's over. I said, it's over. And believe me, I really felt like at that moment, wow, how in the world can you rise up from this? We at times lost some key people, and that was hurtful. We've had transitions in different key leaders who we lost, and that was significant. We've gone through a church divide, and that was very hurtful because the divide caused a lot of people who we really loved to leave. And so we had never dealt with that before. We prided ourselves in the fact that we've never had a split, but we went through that. I've had failures in my leadership. There are things that I was doing where I was not the best leader. I've, I've had to apologize to our people, say, hey, I was not the leader I needed to be. All of those things have happened in the arc, in the spectrum of the 28 years. And if everything else wasn't enough, then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and, you know, whatever, you know, hope you think you had, up to the pandemic, that just sliced it all up. You talk about a paradigm shift. The church and the world took a major paradigm shift. And the Zoom church generation and the none church generation was created. <laughs> and it has found churches fighting now to get people back or deciding, you know, we might not never get these people back. So let's fight to reach those who are online. Let's no longer assault the people who are online in their pajamas. Let's include them and let's break out our ministries in such a way where everybody can get access to the word. It's a different way of doing things. Well, I've been able to pastor for 38 years, 10 years as staff pastor at Highland Park and 28 years of being a pastor of New Vision Church. And the one thing I can say with all of my heart is that God has been with me. You know, if there's anybody who knows how rough I am around the edges, 
my wife knows. And not only have the has the church hung in with me for these 28 years, and I really thank God for my church. I love them. I, I love the part of my church that's there now, the part that used to be there. Uh, and I love also the new generation that God is raising up because my uh, tenure will end at the end of this year, 2023. And I'll be retiring so that I can be Coach Ron full time for the rest of my life. And I don't plan to limit myself to coaching, uh, but coaching will be one of the things I do. I'll be doing a whole lot of podcasting and YouTubing. And uh, I want to speak what I've learned. To, You know, I want to thank you guys for listening to me. This trilogy message, Coach Ron's Change Connections trilogy, I've introduced change connections to you, how we plan to go at it and helping people change their lives. I've told you about my family background and what God did to show up for us when we seemed like there was no hope. And I also have talked to you about the highlights and the lowlights I have experienced in ministry. And I want to say, as I close out this time, I am grateful to God for taking my Ranji behind and working with me all these years. My hair used to be black. I used to weigh 170 pounds, but I'm still here. Gray hair and all, I'm still here. I'm still excited. I'm still passionate. I've taken time to introduce myself to some and for others to hear some of the same stories that they've heard at other times over the years. I'm just letting you know who I am because God's going to do some more amazing things. And I want to be there to celebrate you. If, if Change Connections does what it does, even through my speaking. If lives are changed, that's all I need. I that that's if if lives are changed, that's all I need. So that when I go to my grave, I will be blessed. So thank you for listening to Coach Ron's Change Connections trilogy. Three messages that define different parts of who I am. Today, I talked about the ministry side of me. God bless you. And we've got some more things to do down the line. Have a great, great life.